0: is taken from the first book of Corinthians chapter 1, reading from verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of of the intelligent, the the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human, than human, uh, is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength.
1: Today we look at what has been called the most paradoxical moment in human history. In what has been called humanity's darkest hour, the love of God shines at its brightest we have an innocent man found guilty a man screams out to God and gets no reply the curtain in the temple in Jerusalem is torn from top to bottom welcoming the world into the presence of God this morning we look at the paradox of the cross That event which is at the heart of our faith and is perhaps alongside the Incarnation with God becoming a human being the most paradoxical moment in human history. Last Sunday Tim Ross uh, contrasted the death of Jesus with the death of JFK, President Kennedy, who was shot in 1963. He described it as the shot that went around the world. He contrasted it with the death of Jesus, the death that echoed through eternity. I don't think I'll ever forget the occasion. It was about 17, 18 years ago when Kathy and I uh, went to Dallas. Some friends were living there for work and they paid for us to take the family out to Dallas for our summer holiday. And I'll never forget getting to Glasgow Airport and the American Airlines uh, member of staff saying, Where are you going? And I said, Dallas. And he said, why? And I said, for a holiday to see some friends. And he just looked at me and said, well, you wouldn't want to go there for any other reason, would you, in July? And I was reflecting last week with Tim Ross. I remember sitting uh, on the top tier of the baseball stadium of the Texas Rangers and being able to look across on this vast. and see a storm probably about 20, 30 miles away in the distance rolling towards Dallas and looking at the clock and the temperature gauge and the clock was 9 o'clock at night and the temperature was 95 degrees Fahrenheit and thinking, I'm not in Edinburgh anymore. (laughs) During that stay, we borrowed our host's uh, people carrier and we decided to drive into downtown Dallas and to look for the uh, Bookstore Repository Museum, which um, chronicles the events of JFK's death. And because we didn't know a way around Dallas, we started driving and just came into the center and suddenly found ourselves driving along the same route as JFK. The grassy knoll was on our right-hand side. The bookstore depository was behind us. Now, I was born in 1960. I know it seems impossible to believe, but I was born in 1960. So I was aged two, nearly three, when JFK was shot. Kathy was born in 1965. She wasn't even born when JFK was shot. But as we drove around that slight bend in the road and saw the grassy knoll, both of us burst into tears. And we looked at one another and thought, what the heck is going on? But the death of JFK was so iconic that it had a deep impact upon the two of us. Even though I was two, nearly three, even though Kathy was yet to be born. And yet the event that we're looking at this morning is more iconic still. The death of Jesus Christ has lasted not just 50 years, like the death of JFK, but it's reverberated down the centuries for 2,000 years. It's a point that's been made often that the cross of Jesus is perhaps the strangest logo that any organization has ever had. Brand recognition is very important in the culture in which we live, whether it's the Nike swoosh or the Apple apple. And yet we have as the logo, if you like, of our organization the equivalent of an electric chair or a hangman's noose. The cross is a symbol of execution. It's a symbol of punishment. It's a symbol of pain. It's a symbol of death. Crucifixion wasn't even that unusual in the Roman world. Thousands of people were executed in the Roman Empire. Varus, a Roman general, had 2,000 Jews crucified along a road in Galilee in the year 4 BC, as a penalty for rebellion. Jesus, you see, grew up, literally, in the shadow of the cross. And the message of the cross, of being crucified, was clear and unambiguous. Mess with us, and this is what will happen to you. It was the equivalent of hanging, drawing, and quartering that the English used against William Wallace or perhaps as we remember today Guy Fawkes. If you've been watching the BBC series Gunpowder they had complaints after the first episode because people complained and said it's too graphic, it's too realistic. You see the English devised that particular form of execution in the same way that the Romans devised crucifixion. Mess with us Rebel against us, and this is what you'll get. This is what will happen to you. And the details weren't pretty. The prisoner was scourged with a cat o tails a whip inset with lead and glass. The commissioned soldiers commissioned to do it were so good that they could whip you literally within an inch of your life, and if you died during the whipping, they would have to take your place. They themselves would be executed instead of you the prisoner was then forced to carry the patibulum the crossbeam under armed guard the victim's forearms would be nailed to the patibulum nails hammered between the radius and the ulna, not through the hand because that wouldn't take the weight but through the bone in the wrist And then their feet nailed to the vertical beam. Stripped naked, the victim would be lifted up and forced to bear their weight on the nails. Heart and lungs put under enormous strain and pressure as they tried to literally lift themselves up. And crucifixion normally lasted for days. It was designed to. It was designed to be a public spectacle. You mess with us and this is what you'll get. And so imagine 2,000 Jews crucified all along a road in Galilee, hung up for days, if not weeks. If it went on for too long, as happened in the crucifixion of Jesus, when, because out of respect for the Passover feast, they decided to break the prisoner's legs in what was called curifragium, then the heart would burst and the person would die. It was so barbaric and cruel a punishment, the Romans themselves abolished it in 315 AD and described it as inhuman. And yet 2,000 years later, here we are at 20 past nine on the 5th of November, 2017, in Edinburgh, thousands of miles away from Jerusalem, thousands of years later, after the death of that one Roman prisoner, about to remember, in bread and wine, that one particular crucifixion. So why is it so important? Was it a mistake? Was it a punishment for blasphemy, for claiming to be God? Or was it part of the plan all along? Well, perhaps like me, you've heard lots of talks about the cross, Perhaps, like me, you've heard me give lots of talks about the cross. I just want to focus on two things this morning. The cross matters very simply because of who was on the cross and because of what was on the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ matters because of who was on the cross and it matters because of what was on the cross. There were two ideas at work in the community that Paul wrote to in Corinth, that passage that Norman read for us a few moments ago. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Two ideas going on in popular thought and culture in first century Corinth. Jewish people demanded that God give them a sign. Jewish people wanted God to meet all their criteria, to provide irrefutable and tangible evidence that God really was who he said. Moses asks God for a sign. And Jewish people down the centuries, again and again and again, if you look through the pages of what we call the Old Testament, demanded a sign. Greeks wanted something else. They preferred to speculate that the way to God was through reasoning and argument. God to them wasn't personal. Indeed, they thought that the main characteristic of God was something called apatheia, from which we get the word apathy. It was the total inability to feel. God, by definition, was distinct and remote. And that's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 and 22, the message of the cross is foolishness. Jews demand signs and Greeks wisdom. And the cross makes no sense to either. To Jewish minds, the idea of the Messiah being killed like a common criminal, cursed by God, because that was their belief if you died on a tree, from that verse in Deuteronomy. The Messiah, God become a human being, was unthinkable. The idea that the Messiah was God become a human being and killed and dying on a tree, cursed therefore by God, was completely unfathomable. If he wanted a sign, well, this wasn't it. And then for Greeks... People who thought that God was distant and remote and totally incapable of feeling, we have God crying out in pain, crying out in agony as his hands and feet are pierced by Roman nails. It makes no sense to Greeks, it's foolishness to Jews. Paul describes it as a stumbling block and a scandal. God dying on a rubbish heap at the wrong end of the Roman Empire. So it matters because of who is on the cross. God himself become a human being. Paul writes elsewhere, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's why I just don't understand some of our more liberal brothers and sisters in the church who say, well, Jesus, he was just a good man. Or Jesus' death, it was just an example to us of how we should live and how we should die and how we should love. If God wasn't in Christ, if Jesus wasn't God become a human being, then he's just another crucified Roman prisoner. But if he is, God become a human being. If God really is in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, then everything changes. It matters because of who was on the cross. But secondly, it matters because of what was on the cross. This, on one level, was an ordinary death, and yet it was an extraordinary death crucifixion as i've said crucifixions normally went on for days prisoners were kept alive so that the public spectacle of them the demonstration the placarding the billboard of them, boarding of them you mess with us and this is what you'll get was the power of the deterrent and yet the death of jesus the most famous crucifixion in history is quite short, only six hours, not days, but only six hours. Put on the cross at nine o'clock in the morning, by three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus is dead. And yet with his last words, Jesus gives us a clue as to what is happening the last words that is translated in English as it is finished. The Greek that the New Testament is written in gives us a bit more insight. The Greek word is tetelestai, literally it's paid. The word that was stamped on a bill. The bill has been paid, the debt is no longer overdue. And that's why the death of jesus is comparatively short the debt has been paid the job has been done there's no need for jesus to suffer anymore love and justice have been satisfied sin our failure rebellion our wrongdoing has all been put upon jesus the offering has been made the lamb has been sacrificed the penalty has been paid the son has been separated from the Father. Because what we see are happening on the cross of Jesus is the Trinity itself, for the first and only time in eternity, if you can have time in eternity, the Trinity itself is ruptured, it's dislocated. The Father and the Son are separated. In such a way that the Son cries out to the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for the first time in the whole of eternity, the Son knows what it is to be separated from the Father. And the Father knows what it is to turn his back and be separated from the Son. Relationships that had been mutually perfect for eternity were ripped apart so the relationship between God and humanity could be restored. That's what symbolized by the temple curtain being torn in two from top to bottom. That which had separated God from humanity was just ripped apart because the Trinity itself had been ripped apart. I wonder if you are here two or three, four years ago when we um, remarkably, um, Stuart, uh, rigged up um, a curtain across the cross for Good Friday. And we had this enormous curtain, like a backdrop, hanging down. And if I'm honest, I didn't know what was going to happen. Stuart said to me, I will rip it at a certain point in your talk. I didn't know what was going to happen. And it got to a certain point in my meditation that Good Friday when I said, and the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, at which point Stuart pulled a lever and the whole thing was ripped from top to bottom. And then Dean, who was leading that Good Friday meditation, invited us to walk through the curtain, symbolically walking into the presence of God. And hundreds of people just lined up. remember Dean and I sitting there and just looking at each other going, what's going on? As people walked through, in between these, these two ripped pieces of cloth, into, as it were, the presence of God. The fourth wall in theatre language being broken as the divide between God and humanity was torn apart. The cross, Paul writes, a stumbling block to Jews and Muslims and atheists. The idea that God himself, become a human being, dies on the cross foolishness to Greeks because it doesn't make any rational sense I remember one of my first alpha courses here when we came to week three week four why did Jesus die a woman in our small group after I'd given the talk on why did Jesus die as we began the discussion through in the vestry just looked at me and said Dave this is very strange stuff and I looked back at her and said it is it is very strange stuff why should the death of one Roman prisoner 2,000 years ago make any difference to us here 2,000 years later and it only makes any sense because of who was on the cross and because of what was on the cross. God himself, nailed, naked, beaten to a pulp, bleeding hand and foot, arms spread eagle wide, alone, betrayed, isolated, humiliated, finished. Because of one thing, love. Love. Love for the world. Love for you. Love for me. So that as the Trinity itself was divided, we might be reconciled. So that as the Son was alienated, we might be brought home. So as Jesus was distanced from the Father, we might be brought near. As the Father turned his back on the Son, so we might become God's children.